Hello, America. Welcome. Gary Bell and Brad Pollack with our new version of Legal Anatomy of Current Events. Today, in the news, right? Samuel Mealy. Samuel Mealy worked for George Santos. He solicited donations for George Santos while claiming to be a representative of Kevin McCarthy, then Speaker of the House of Representatives. Specifically, he claimed to be Kevin McCarthy's Chief of Staff. November 13th, 2023, Mr. Samuel Mealy pleads guilty to wire fraud. To what? Wire fraud. Why? He was trying to solicit donations, and that's wire fraud? I thought he only used the phone and the email. Can that be wire fraud? How does this really work? So today, wire fraud and Ponzi schemes, wire fraud and telemarketing, wire fraud and purchases of goods and services, wire fraud data breaches, wire fraud and the Nigerian princes and their money, presidential declared emergencies like hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, war, and more, wire fraud. How does this all work? And of course, wire fraud and campaign campaign fundraising. Gary Bell, Brad Pollack, our law firm is Bell & Pollack. We're out of Denver, Colorado. This show is brought to you to cover national events across the country, and we do it every week, and we're glad to do it, and we want to take the most recent stories in the news and break them down for you, give you the legal anatomy, the legal analysis of the event so that you can see the legal story inside the story. And I'll tell you what, because we've seen this happen before. If you take a story like Trump's indictment uh, or indictments in Georgia, Trump's indictments in Florida, everybody knows about the indictment, but do you really know what they are? Now, we're not covering that today, but I use that as an example. We give you the legal analysis, the story, the legal story inside the story, so you can have the facts and the legal analysis to make up your own mind on your own subject. This is a nonpartisan, non-biased show but we cover very hot political topics, and we're glad to do it. And today we're talking about Samuel Mealy pleading guilty to wire fraud with regard to phone calls and emails he sent out claiming to be the chief of staff of Kevin McCarthy, then Speaker of the House. Okay, Brad, let's talk about good old-fashioned mail fraud, and then we're going to morph into and delve into wire fraud. Well, uh, mail fraud has been around a lot longer because mail has been around a lot longer. And uh, that's just the way it's been. We were, we were um, passing around mail with the Pony Express uh, probably before that. But I know at least we were doing it with Pony Express. And I'd be willing to bet you if we did a hard enough research somewhere in the annals of the Pony Express, we would find out that there was mail fraud. Um, and, and that's how it, how commonplace it, it, it has become, how commonplace it is. I'd be willing to bet you that if we sat down with just about any listener that is, is listening to this or listens to this at any time, and we went up through their, uh, let's say, their last six months' worth of mail, maybe their last three months' worth of mail, we would find something that would constitute some form of mail fraud or potential mail fraud. Um, and um, I'd be willing to bet anybody who looks at their uh, their their phone and reads messages off of it that they probably 
uh, about once a week had the opportunity to be a victim of, of wire fraud. So, you know, let's go back to mail fraud. Mail fraud is nothing more than somebody who is trying to conduct an illegal activity to take your money, to take your assets, to take something you own, to take something you have a value. They're trying to take it through an illegal activity or, or uh, in, as a result of a lie or misleading advertising or misleading statement. And, um, you know, we, we see it all the time. Uh, I, I don't want to classify them all, but sometimes we see it in the form of, and we can we can say the, the mail fraud comes in, and I think you probably get it in wire fraud too. It comes in the form of, of you know, some type of guarantee or some kind of promise, some type of warranty, something that they say is going to be there for you that is going to take care of a, of, of a reason why you should send them money. And in return, they're going to give you something really great or they're going to promise you some activity in the future. And it's just not true. Right. Sign up right now. Here's a mail. Here's a piece of mail that says sign up right now. You have won. Congratulations. You have won $25,000. All you got to do is fill out this postcard and send it back in. Give us your name, your address, your email address. Give us your Social Security number and your bank account. And we can deposit the $25,000 in your bank account. Okay, folks, what do you think about that? Good old-fashioned mail fraud. That was 1872. That's when when first mail fraud became illegal. 1872. And it's kind of, it's kind of comical sometimes going to the history of these laws that we explain to you and break down to you on illegal anatomy of occurring events. Because in 1872, the purpose of the law, they said, they said, was to stop these city slickers from taking advantage of these country folk. Stop these city slickers. And so that's 1872. That's how mail fraud uh, statute came into effect, and that existed for a long time until we got into the modern world and we got into wire fraud. And that's the subject of today, wire fraud. What the heck is this wire fraud? Um, we're going to cover it. But that uh, was around till wire fraud statute became available in 1952. So really, it's kind of a simplified history. But basically, Brad, you're at, you hit the nail right on the head. People taking advantage of other people, like I just gave you that one example, uh, you've won $25,000 uh, and that sort of thing. But I, I, before we go on, I want to mention that one of the classic cases of mail fraud in the old days, in the old days, we've all heard of it, but it was, it was the Ponzi scheme. And Ponzi was making millions of dollars on, on using the United States mail. And so that was a motivating factor, not the only factor, but a motivating factor on the mail fraud uh, the, the scheme. But let's, but let's get into the more of the modern day uh, uh, on wire fraud, or you got something else? Well, I'm just saying that, you know, we, we hear fishing quite often. We hear what an illegal activity is fishing. And that's what you basically described. So everybody out there, when you hear the word fishing, and you go, well, what's fishing really? Yeah, but not F-I-S-H-I-N-G. Well, you know, it might as well be. And fishing, P-H-I-S-S-I-N-G. Well, yeah, and, and it's not I-S-S, I don't think. It's I-S-H-I-N-G, but we're not well, okay. going to get into that. But, you know, it, the definition is it's a, a, an attempt to acquire sensitive data, such as bank account numbers, social security numbers, that kind of stuff, through a fraudulent solicitation in, in the email or in a website in which the perpetrator masquerades as a legitimate business or reputable person. Right. Now, you just won. Congratulations. You just won this thing. But the only way I can get it to you is I'm going to have to send cash 
to your bank account so give me your bank account and, and make sure you give me all your passwords now a lot of you are listening going there's no way in hell that i would ever do that and that i would fall into that category or i would fall into that you know that you know the 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 attempts and the, the way to carry out mail fraud have become so sophisticated so sophisticated that at times just opening up an uh, an app that you're not familiar with or an email that you're not familiar with can lead to somebody getting information in one form or another or getting you to commit to something you don't want to commit just by picking up the phone and answering it uh, when when you don't know who it is you don't know what that number is and you answer it and you're either asked some questions and you respond and when you put the phone back down you're saying man i was so stupid to do that and you're trying to figure out how you can undo it and it's probably too late to undo it so you know just get ready to weather the storm or you pick up the phone and you keep going hello 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 who is this who is this can i help you can i help you and you you got to figure by the time you've done the third or fourth one that you've probably just become a victim of some type of wire fraud right or, or you're about to be or you're about to be you know so so go put your billfold out on the front porch and leave some cash in it and say here it is i want everybody to have my cash before the mail fraud people get it because they just got me <laughs> i've got i'm gonna get my cash away before the mail fraud people get it <laughs> let me say get sure i i empty my bank account so you can get it you know but back to our story of the day the news story was samuel mealy pleading guilty november 13 2023 to wire fraud Okay, so we, we had the original mail fraud statute, 1872. Then 1952, we had wire fraud with a couple of additions. And one fascinating case at the end of this podcast, you're going to fall off your chair or your car seat when you listen to it. Uh, and it's called the Honest Services uh, case. We'll get, we'll, we'll get to that. But so that was uh, Samuel Mealy doing that, but he was using the phone and he's using email. Those, those concepts were never obviously covered in the mail fraud um, because it didn't exist. But all of a sudden now we've got, you can't use it in television. You can't be deceitful in radio. You can't be deceitful by wire. If you use wire, you can't be deceitful by the phone. You can't be deceitful in text messages or emails or social media, right? And so wire fraud now is much, much more than you hear the word wire fraud. You go, where, wait a minute, where'd the wire come from? They weren't using wires, old-fashioned telegrams and wires. What the heck is this about? And so that's the issue. Now, I want to cover just the basics of the statute. I'm not going to read you the whole statute and bore you to death. But the wire fraud statute says whoever having devised, ready, having devised or intending to devise, they don't have to do it yet. Intending to devise any scheme to defraud, cheat you, and it goes on with those fancy, fancy legal words. All right. And then if they, if they transmit, uh, transport, whatever, uh, then and if they've got the intent to do it, and they do it, and they cheat you, so that that's usually that's the basic wire fraud statute. It can it it can be and is much more broad than just a wire or a phone call or an email. It can be any of those. It can be social media. It can be any electronic digital format designed to cheat you out of your money or property and good graces. And you know, I understand in 1952 
we were still watching black and white TV and, and, uh, or, yeah, it was probably a very fuzzy black and white TV too. And, uh, we had some radio and we, we had, had, you had to have the test pattern. I think we had transistors. You had to have a test pattern. We had a test pattern. All right. Test pattern. I think we had transistors back then. I'm not certain. Um, it's, it's before I was born, but <laughs> there were transistors back there and, you know, they had all this stuff and, and, it, you know, <laughs> even by then, I don't know when all this stuff came around, maybe in the forties, 45, whatever, but even by then, you know, they had to start saying there's, there's fraud here, right? And there's people cheating us, you know, and we got to stop it from being cheated. And the, 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 you know, we we went from the from being so naive that we were dealing with the, the new form of wires, and so wire fraud was coming into play. Uh, you know, how many times do you think people looked and said that's false advertising on the TV? Yeah, right. Uh, how many times do you think they say it now? And you wonder if if there's anything done because you know there's no guarantees that what you're watching on TV now is in the the advertising you get doesn't have a form of fraud in it. Um, you know they're they're trying to keep up as best they can, but the bottom line is it's next to impossible to keep up with it. I mean you're talking about the 40s and 50s. I didn't know we were going to take a magic carpet ride through time here oh, today, but um, well, stop and think about it. I mean think think about when all of you out there that are listening, and especially you older people, and if you're younger, go talk to the older people and and tell them and ask them about it. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, it, you know, what was just said to us, but well, if, if it's on the TV, if it's on the radio, if it's on the internet, it must be true. Has to be true. Must be true. And, and for any of you who have, have kids that uh, there's a good chance you're being made a victim of, they're made a victim of some type of wire fraud that's going on right now. Uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't imagine how much wire fraud there is on TikTok and all that stuff that goes on. Um, to mislead you, to, to to lie to you, to cheat to you, to tell you something's not right. Um, but some of that's just to get your respect and uh, and to get your your belief in the person. Uh, other times, they're doing it to get your money. Uh, they're do- doing it to get your assets. They're doing it to get something a, 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 that is a thing, a tangible thing of value. And when they're doing it, we're talking about wire fraud, and we're talking about the sophistication being real. We're talking about it being something you've got to watch out for. And we're talking about what sounds like simple facts in the Sam Mealy case. Right. It sounds like simple facts. And you can get Santos now, you know, I, as we're speaking, they're coming up with a third attempt to expel him. And they think this one will be successful. But, um, you know, you, you stop and think how often this is probably done where they get you to send money to a campaign or they get you to send money to something where uh, they're telling you something that's not true or they're misleading you into believing that, hey, this is Kevin McCarthy's campaign. Uh, or this oh, yeah, I, I'm chief of staff of Kevin McCarthy and I'm so-and-so, but I'm not, not really so-and-so. And we need to get some campaign contributions going over to George, George Santos. Uh, and I'm speaking on behalf of Kevin McCarthy. That's how that works. And then they, then, then they get the money. And that was a solicitation by phone, wire fraud. A solicitation by email, wire fraud. And, and you know, it, 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 how's that come up? You know, 
I, I, I'm sure a defense, it, it obviously didn't work, but I'm sure a defense would be, but immediately said, well, you know, I walked up to Kevin and said, hey, Kevin, is it all right if I use your name to endorse Santos? Um, and maybe at some point McCarthy said, yeah, you, know, you can use my name. Or maybe, maybe his chief of staff said, yeah, yeah I endorse him. Or his chief of staff said, yeah, I endorse it. Or, yeah, yeah, we. do you want Santos in office? Yeah, we want Santos in office. Can I can I tell him you said that? Yeah. And next thing you know, they're being they're being held out as somebody who's supporting payment of money and payment of goods and payment of services, payment of payment of, of assets to the campaign. And, you know, you look at both ends of that. Then at the initial end, it's illegal the wire fraud. Uh, and and that's the same thing as when you get an advertisement or you get something on the Internet or you see it on TV and they they present you with something that they say, here you go. Now, and, and they say, this is what the product is. Now, the reason I, I kind of watch out how I say it is because, you know, we have three different car companies that all say they have the best car in the market. Well, you know, there can only be one best. And, you know, I, I want to be careful because I don't want to get too too far into it. But you have five different law firms in a particular area that all say they're the best lawyers or they're the best law firm or, you you know, and and there can only be one best. Maybe how it fits with other people, it, there can be a number of best because I'm the best one for your particular personality, your particular case, or for the relationship we can develop as being as being able to carry out your case. But you know, you you get you you get different people. You get uh, four or five different furniture companies that say we're the best furniture company. Uh, well, you know. Once again, there can only be one best. And so there, there's this wide umbrella of uh, that's out there of protection for people being able to get on TV or into wire services and say they're, that they're the best or they can do this for you or they can take care of you. you know, but once again, when they start saying, we'll get you the most money or You'll, this is the, the, the greatest deal or this is the biggest discount. You, you you start saying, well, is there an element of wire fraud? Well, yeah, you do, you do. But one of the defenses to this whole thing is is the concept of puffing, and that's what that is about sales and puffing. This is the best car. If this is the best, you know, as Lee Iacocca used to say, if you can find a better van, buy it. Uh, and so there's a, there's an idea of puffing when you deal with sales. But wire fraud gets very specific. And I want to mention one more thing about the statue before we move on. And we're going to give you some really cool examples. Uh, today of wire fraud that I bet you things you never thought about and maybe we can open your eyes but one big part of the statute I mean the fines you can go to 20 years for, 20 years to prison for wire fraud all right but but there's a specific part of the statute that says when you commit wire fraud for a presidentially declared emergency like a hurricane like a war like the Red Cross is needed in Cuba, Puerto Rico, like a flood, like fires. When you use, when the president declares an emergency and you use that as your foundation for the wire fraud, it's a million dollar fine per count and it's much more time in prison. I think it's 30 years. 
Yeah, yeah, and uh, ordinary wire fraud is only 20. 20. Yeah, presidential wire fraud is 30 years plus a million dollar fine per count. Well, if you get out 10 years earlier, it could be a big deal. It could, it could be a big deal, so. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about a couple of these. We, we talked about the Ponzi scheme, Brad. That, that was old-fashioned mail fraud. Uh, we talked about maybe you could sign a flyer in the mail that says you won $25,000. But let's talk about the Nigerian princess. Uh, okay, because because you and I in this in our law firm, Bell and Pollock, right here, Denver, Colorado, right here back at the ranch, we have received emails, we have received faxes that said I'm a Nigerian prince or king, and I've got $35 million, and I need to deposit somewhere, I needed to get it out of Algeria, and I need a safe bank account, and you can have 20% of it. All you need to do is keep it in your account for 30 days, and I can transfer it to it immediately. I can be transferred there within two hours, and they are trying to get your bank account. Hello, hello. Trying to get your private information, your Social Security number, and there's not going to be $35 million or $3.50 in your account. And is that a measure of desperation by somebody thinking, oh, I I want to help a person, or desperation thinking, oh, I need money? And look, this just happened to come here. I, I I prayed all night, and this morning I have this Nigerian prince that sent me this email, and now I have a chance to to be able to 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 make this money or do or or get this money. Um, you know, is it a measure of desperation or wanting to help somebody when you get that email from uh, some person who says? I'm a I'm a damsel in distress, and I am, am living under the a tyrant who I need to get away from. And if you could just send me a few dollars, um, or you know, or if we can just I don't want your money. I just want you to help me with some credit, or to be able to get a ticket, or I just want you to buy me a ticket to to be able to get away. What is it that we play on with uh, people? To be able to get it, because there's there's got to be a measure of maybe wanting to help somebody, or a measure of, of humanitarian spirit that you're wanting to. Yeah, they put their confidence in you. Right. But once you, you ask them, what do they play on? They play on fear and greed. It's almost like I mean, there's a big stock market saying, if you if you hang around the markets long enough, it's F O M O, F O F O M O, and it means it means fear of missing out, fear of missing out. So I better throw my money into this investment because I got fear of missing out. Well, it's the same thing, Brad, fear and greed. Right. And, or, and, or, yeah, it is. Or sometimes it's, oh, this Nigerian prince who uh, there's been an overthrow in their government and the Nigerian prince has to get out and has to go somewhere. I mean, uh, when I was reading and studying on this and, and the, the Nigerian prince f- formula, I thought, I wonder how many times there were some type of scheme going on. I didn't see one, but there was some type of scheme going on when when we had Russia invading Ukraine and, and somebody deciding, I'm going to send them a poor Ukrainian family, please send us money, or, or we were collecting for poor Ukrainian people, please send money because they're, they're being uh, taken advantage of or abused. Now, setting aside the politics of it, the question is, how realistic is that? You know, GoFundMe's. I mean, what about a GoFundMe? How about a GoFundMe? Let's go with that. I mean, you know, can there can there be 
uh, a fraudulent a wire fraud in a GoFundMe. I mean, that's using a digital uh, artifact, 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 and that's it's a digital event. And yes, there can be. And uh, you know, Go, a GoFundMe can be fraud. Sure, it can be. It can be illegal. The question is: is are you protected over the fact that they put a little stamp up on the wall and say GoFundMe's can be illegal? Because a lot of GoFundMe's aren't illegal. Right. A lot of GoFundMe's are illegal. But are you protected because they're going to catch the illegal one? Probably not. You, you know, there are just too many of them. It, 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 we, we're so exploded with the with the wire industry, with wire uh, with, with people communicating in one form or another through media digitally digitally that you're you're left with a situation where these acts can be very criminal in nature and in sometimes that the idea is to just get a little bit from each person so much so that no person finds it worth trying to really push exactly with their with the authorities over the criminal act i tell you what we're going to take a little aside here because prosecutors i want to teach you something right now and we're going to get to some more examples, but prosecutors love wire fraud. If you talk to one of them, they love wire fraud because it's their catch-all. Some of them call it their Stradivarius violin. It's that beautiful to them. Some of them call it their pot of gold. Right? Some of them call it my Louisville Slugger baseball bat, my real authentic Louisville Slugger, because wire fraud is now so broad and so all-encompassing and so pervasive that if somebody's using something digital, which they likely are, and they're committing fraud, and they're taking advantage of people, the wire fraud statute applies. And they, and they can find something. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's it's like a, a GoFundMe when they start looking at what did you say you were you were raising money for? And if you're raising money for a particular purpose, and you need, let's say, $20,000, and the GoFundMe produces $200,000, can you take the $180,000 and go buy yourself a nice fancy boat for the ocean? Or do you have to still spend the extra $180,000 for the purpose that the GoFundMe was set up and that you said you were receiving the money? Of course, of course you do. And if it, and then, but here comes the big question, Gary. You, you've had, so you've had 30,000 people send money and you say, I got this 180 that I don't need. I can't spend it for the purpose that it was that it was intended i can't spend it for the purpose that i set up the gofundme so woe is me and poor is me and poor me where does 180 go do you give it back you can't give it back do, do you what are you supposed to do with it i mean you know if if i get that call someday you know and i'm asked to give that legal advice you can bet there's going to be a lot of hard research and very quickly to try and figure out what it is, and the question is, can they even pay my legal fees out of <laughs> Exactly right. <laughs> so I exactly. idea to figure out because I'm going. I don't know, and, and you know uh, that that's something that maybe in another show we can always tell you about, uh, or another podcast, and maybe Gary, you have the you have an answer to that. But that the idea is is that if you're saying I'm I need this money for my mom's rehabilitation from her cancer surgery and i get so much that i have extra can i go spend it on my dad's rehabilitation for his cancer surgery or or for his alcohol rehab well it sounds to me like you're promoting a gofundme show uh -huh. i mean 
You, know, you see what I'm saying? I'm, what I'm trying to figure out is, that, and I'm telling you, it's fraught with potential. Absolutely. With potential criminal activity. And that's when you said prosecutors love it. They do. They do, because it, you're you're walking on eggshells when you're doing this. Exactly. I tell you what, let's give some, let's give these people, fine people, our listeners, uh, um, a couple of examples. One example is telemarketing fraud. I know you've had telemarketers call you. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Okay. That's that's involved. That's wire fraud. I mean, if they're trying to cheat you, there's legitimate telemarketers. But if they're trying to cheat you, that can be wire fraud. Uh, uh, one, you know, ransomware attacks. We always hear about that. That's another example. But Brad and I want to teach teach you about ransomware attacks today, because what you usually get is an email, and it looks kind of just normal, and it looks kind of okay, but there's a link, and they want to entice you to click on the link. And the minute you click on the link, or better yet, the microsecond you click on the link, that link installs software in your computer. Immediately, it unlocks all your files, and then they want money. And then they lock them and secure them where they only know the key, and then they want money. You hear about it all the time. But it, the, a major way they do it is through a link. So we're, now we're teaching you some of the some of the wire fraud that happens and what to do and what not to do, right? So email attachments, attachments, pictures, links, right? And so we've also got social security fraud, uh, and they want to get your social security number. We have threats and extortion. But, you know, Brad, I think one one example that people don't really realize, if you get on, you can get on eBay, you can get on Etsy, you can get on all these legitimate sites, and they have people that get on, then they kick them off that are that are improper. But if somebody sells you a product, you pay the money, and you never ever get the product. That's wire fraud. And once again, how many people you paid the money to get a product for fifty dollars or seventy dollars or seven dollars and fifty cents? Seven dollars and fifty cents. How many people are going to go make a big stink about it? Uh, they watch the mail. They watch their porch. They wait to see the Amazon trucks come driving through the driveway or through the street, and they keep thinking they're going to get their item. They don't get it, and it never comes, and pretty soon they either forget about it or they go, it's it's just not worth going in and reporting it to the police. And, and you know, how many people, for $7.50, I'm going to call the police say, I need a police officer out here so I can make, uh, uh, I want to make a report. I want to make a complaint because this company that, that didn't send me my item for $7.50. And you take $7.50 and you multiply it times 1.2 million, and you can do the math on that because I'm I'm not going to do the math this afternoon on that. But you got you got a, you got a good idea, right? You got a good idea. Another one is employment fraud. People look for jobs. They're desperate. They want a job. Okay, pay us six dollars here, and and we can't guarantee you a job, but we can guarantee you you'll be in the top tier level, and you'll be in the next three that are that are contacted by our our clients, our companies, and it doesn't exist. And it's three dollars. It's four dollars. It's ten dollars, uh, and you pay money, or worse yet, you give them your own personal information. So the point of today's show is all this is wire fraud. You should call the police. What do you do about it, Brad? Let's, let's just talk about that because we're getting kind of towards the end of a show. But what do people do about it? And and that is they report it to the police. Well, and, and you hope not, not to not to make this sound wrong. So please don't take it wrong. Listeners. But you, you hope other people have fallen into the same problem. 
You know, you hope that you lost your seven dollars and fifty cents, and you hope that maybe there's a thousand others, or two thousand, or three thousand others that lost their seven dollars and fifty cents, and it's all been reported. Or you hope that there there's enough anticipation by the police that when you submit your seven dollar and fifty cent claim, that they say thank you very much, we've taken it. It's all right if you if you think well you know they spent a lot of time over seven dollar fifty cents theft because if it's been done to a million people, then you're talking seven and a half million dollars, folks. You did the math. There, you did actually the did the math. And it, well, I I wasn't gonna do the one point two. No, that makes yeah. it more complicated. Yeah, exactly. The point two messes me up. But you know, one million uh, a million people get being built by seven and a half dollars. That's seven and a half million dollars, which makes it well worth. Our, our justice system to go after people like that. And so you hope that everybody gets on the bandwagon and makes that claim. Now, you know what's going to happen? I, you know, I'd so, love to know. Somebody's going to get on the internet and they're going to pretend that they're the police and you can make your seven and a half dollar claim. It just costs $10 to make the seven and a half dollar claim. Exactly. Or maybe only $3, but they say, but spend it because you want to get these criminals and they're the actual. We'll do criminal. it by this Friday because yeah. it's a 10% police discount. Yeah. <laughs> police discount, exactly. Right. We just happen to have more people on board right now. So we want to be able to get them paychecks. Exactly. You know, so, right. so, and you see, what we're saying, you know, it, I hope you know we understand is that you have to be diligent in identifying these wrongful acts, because when they are wrongful acts and when they are doing things that are affecting society, that you've got people who are stealing large sums of money doing it, and and we just don't need that. And the only way you can do it is by making the claim and and don't tell me that you don't have time don't tell me that because i can probably go with you through the day and i can probably identify at least three or four different times where you probably have the half an hour or hour to look up where you can make that complaint and to make that complaint and get it on the radar screen of some enforcement law enforcement that may be able to stop them. You, you report it to law enforcement. The FBI has the ultimate jurisdiction on wire fraud, usually with the United States attorney. But listen, listen to this. If you open a letter tonight, and I've opened them, I've opened them in the past one month at my house. You open the letter tonight and says, "I your name came across my desk. Your name is on a special list. Keep this confidential. Don't tell anybody, because you're about to hear the offer of a lifetime. Okay, you're about to you're about to head down the wrong road." But you can also report it to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. We did a show early on on our podcast about the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And I said one time, if you think 60 Minutes used to wield a lot of power, you you ain't seen nothing yet about the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. They wield power. Okay? So you can report them to them. The other thing is that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau reports. What, what do you think the number one scam is? coming into your house it's it, 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 it's it's connected to religion or it's connected to emotional psychics that's the number one scam according to the consumer financial protection bureau so just a, a word of advice from 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 bell and pollock now brad i do want to cover this case we said early on in the show i want to cover it this is an actual case folks before the united states supreme court and this is not a political show. This doesn't mean to be, I'm not making a political comment, but I got to lay the groundwork and foundation for this case. If you don't like 
the government. You're going to love this case, or, or hate it maybe, actually. But if you don't like the government, there was a person that brought a case. His name was McNally against the United States of America for wire fraud because he said the government was not giving honest services. And that was wire fraud. And that they were using television and radio and communications and phones and emails and all kinds of digital. And it was a, it was a scam. And he said it was not honest services. There is a case on the book books. It's called McNally versus the United States and then Durland versus the United States. And that was on the books for years. They didn't sustain it. But then it gets all the way up to, you remember Jeff Skilling and Enron? There's a case called Skilling versus the United States. And the Supreme Court said the honest services law does apply, but only if there's bribes and kickbacks. So see, if somebody in the government's giving bribes and kickbacks, then there's a law for wire fraud, which remember, that's the prosecutor's Stradivarius violin, pot of gold, and my Louisville Slugger bat. Well, yeah, because, you know, it's it's like Sam Mealy was was taking, what, 10, 15 percent? I think it's 15 percent commission of whatever he raised. So, uh, you know, was he getting a commission for which he should be paid because he's spending this time trying to raise this money? Or was he taking some kind of kickback or, or cream off the top? Uh, was it an illegal act or was it an non-illegal act? Did, did he get paid? If, if, if somebody hires me, a politician today, hires me to make calls to collect money um and it's all in the up and up i'm going to be honest with the politician's name i'm not going to admit sam would do right. anything am i entitled to take a commission and do i have to tell somebody hey hey mr bell you know can i can i talk you can i can i get a quarter million dollars from you today or you know it, well you know i have i have somebody who will match your 2000 if you'll send me 2000 mr bell because you know, there if that's a lie, you're you're in trouble right there. But I have somebody, a, a big donor, who will match whatever I collect in the next hour. Uh, but by the way, Mr. Bell, of your two thousand, I'm taking fifteen percent of it for me to to live on because I've got to get paid to be able to make these calls. That's a great point. You know, is it where where's it where's it come in? It's it's a it's it's a very difficult, very difficult. Uh, line you have to draw um, and sometimes what we just talked to you about is the most important disclosure making the disclosure yeah one more one more hint before we we wrap up this and get into our idiom of the day and I hardly wait what Brad's idiom of the day is today it's, it's going to be a beaut I'm sure or the quote of the day one more thing you can check your homeowner's insurance remember Remember that you do have homeowners insurance, and they do have coverages and riders for, you know, cybersecurity fraud and that sort of thing. So just know that. I'm not guaranteeing they're going to cover it. Just know uh, there's insurance policies that do cover this. Don't know what the premium is, but I wanted to put that out there for everybody. Okay. This is Legal Anatomy of Current Events. You know the drill. At the end of every show, we give the American idiom of the day from Brad, and I give you the quote of the day. Try to have a little fun at the end of the show. Brad, what do you have for us today for the American idiom? I know it's a jewel. Well, I've got a couple. Oh, I'm sure you do. Okay, so, so the first thing we have to do is we have to talk about Sam Mealy, of course. Of course. And, and um, it appears to me that 
he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar, <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he got caught red-handed. <laughs> so that when he got his hand caught in the wire fry jar, <laughs> in the wire fry jar, and it, it was red-handed. But you know, we, we go back to the famous Mark Twain, who said it could probably be shown by facts and figures that there is no distinctively native criminal class except Congress. <laughs> he said that? Yeah, that's what Mark Twain said. He also said, I remember one just from, from school, he also said, uh, the only time that your property is not safe is when the legislature is in session. Yes, he did. And as long as we're doing that, yeah. he also said, I think I can say, and say with pride, that we have some legislatures that bring higher prices than any in the world. <laughs> you know, just stop thinking. You, know. <laughs> you always come up with some if, good ones. If you want some good ones from Mark Twain or some good idioms, Mark Twain is a guy to go check out. Well, all right. My quote of the day today on legal anatomy of current events comes from Nike. Um, when I read that, I just had to read it twice. But Nike, I've got one quote from Nike and I've got one quote from Gary Bell. And I'm going to take credit for it, but I'm not sure I should. But I don't know who to give credit for, and I've been using it for years. So the Nike quote is as follows. The only one who can tell you you can't is you. And you don't have to listen. That's the Nike quote. Here's the Gary Bell quote. And I'm not even sure it's mine, but I've used it for years. When you want to do something or you want to try something, you can either believe you can do it. Or you can believe you can't do it, and either way, you're right. All right, Legal Anatomy of Current Events, Gary Bell, Brad Pollock, we love bringing this show to you, our weekly podcast. We take the current events in this country, break them down for you, give the history, give you the legal analysis. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at info at legalanatomy.net. That's info at legalanatomy.net because we want to anatomize your mind. See you next week.